Post, Dan Carroll, TikTok. Lots going on. We'll talk to Kevin Carr, Fat Guys at the Movies. I didn't uh, hook up with him over the weekend to get him on, so I figured why not Monday, since new movies tend to, uh, as they say, drop uh, or stream on Tuesday. So we'll get into his head and see what the hell's new. And maybe stuff that's old. Maybe even some holiday movies. Who knows? James Rapine on the, the Bengals, not the Bungles. It's not very nice. I've been getting emails going, how can you find any positivity in Bengal land? I go, because I, if I don't, uh, I mean, how, how do you not? You have to to continue. It's just the way it is at this particular point. Talking to uh, Jeff Carr, who does the Locked on Red stuff, producing the show off the air, uh, talking about Red's things maybe a bit later, too. And he's like, you know, i got to find positive. Gotta f-. Like, yes, as a, a sports fan in Cincinnati, and there are probably other areas, other markets, as people say, where that probably is the case. But if you can't find a ray of sunshine somehow, somewhere in the midst of what we've got going on, it's tough being people here is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and that's just the pro level. Collegiate level is a different scenario. And uh, we'll also get Mac Mariani on uh, after 11 o'clock. He is a uh, boss of political science stuff. Uh, I think they effectively call him the chair of such at Xavier University. And uh, that will be in relation to, uh, I guess, what is next upon the certification of the Electoral College come January. And an electors already turning in all their stuff. Uh, Joe Biden, president-elect, going to be the next guy at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, known as POTUS. And uh, I, I'm going to start here, and I don't want to spend a lot of time with this, but I realize there are some people that are very upset. There are people very concerned, some people very much elated and hoping that either side of the coin, politically speaking, that we can just get on to doing the people's business without all the, the hubbub. And I'm saying hubbub to keep it clean. Uh, so you can certainly sound off on that. Also good news uh, in, in many ways, and... Uh, The vaccine has made its way to the tri-state. It's made its way across the country, and more and more of that will be uh, becoming available to frontline workers, those people uh, dealing uh, in in the healthcare field in COVID-19, which is the virus, of course, the disease caused by the SARS-CoV-2. And uh, that is making its way around, which is good news, which means that there's Perhaps really some you can maybe say this is the beginning of the end of this, but it could be very much into mid to late summer, which is unfortunate. Uh, But sooner than later, when you think about it, with the Operation Warp Speed, pretty amazing amount of time and things accomplished to be able to get uh, to fruition. Arms uh, being stuck with needles, giving them uh, the juice of goodness to give them some protection from. Uh, this uh, horrible virus that has now killed an excess uh, documented of 300,000 Americans and many more of that globally. It's unsettling. It's uh, crept its way into uh, iHeartRadio here. It's crept its way. I, I, I've had multiple family members uh, who have had it, at one level of uh, infection worse than others. Uh, aunts and uncles a little bit older, some cousins that are younger. Another cousin I saw from a distance yesterday uh, exchanging some stuff for the holiday season said that he had uh, been tested because one of his uh, younger uh, kids had uh, been tested positive. And then they said that he had had antibodies and they figured he had had actually had it. And he was really sick before they had talked about it being here stateside at the beginning of the year. And he said, I I was sick. And they go, well, why didn't you come to the hospital? He goes, because I was able to get through it. And he goes, well, what about the COVID? He said, we weren't talking about it then. And they think that it could have been the first quarter of of our uh, 2020, which has been such a stellar year, um, where he he had had it, but still seeing some antibodies and so forth minimally, but uh, still having to take precaution. 
So hopefully this vaccine will make its way around and sooner than later we can get back to whatever normal is going to be subsequent to this. Uh, from a distance and washing hands and eventually maybe non-masking, but you, you need to be doing that. And uh, still randomly I have these conversations with people on the air and off. I don't believe it's real. Sorry, it is. I wish it wasn't, but it is. I've got uh, relatives also in the medical field, and they're frankly tired, physically and emotionally tired and dealing with it. One of Miami Valley Hospital in Dayton, I got other friends in and around here, whether it's at UC, at Trihouse facilities, you name it, uh, frankly, just overwhelmed with it. And, and the echo that they have heard is people coming in that are actually sick with it and go, this isn't really what's making me sick. And they go, yes, yes, it is. And they have to tell people that are really sick with it. Then you see these cautionary tales and videos on uh, pick your news source on TV where they, they, you know, they're telling people, I didn't believe it was real. And now here I am. So take precaution. I mean, I'm not trying to be like, uh, I don't know, Big Daddy Sterling or whatever the hell here on this. But it's hit close. And when it's uh, when it gets real enough to where it's people that, you know, people that you love, people that you care for, people that you interact with on a regular basis, it shakes you a little bit, especially the thought of that maybe you could carry it unknowingly to someone else and then have it be a much worse outcome than maybe you being asymptomatic or thinking that it's just a little bit of a sinus thing because of the change in the weather or, you know, out working in the yard when we had uh, unseasonably warm temperatures and then we whiplash back into what's supposed to be December weather like now. So uh, there's lots to get to. The phone number, 513-749-7000, the big one, pound 700 AT&T. Uh, this next segment, give you a chance to sound off. I want to know, do you feel better about news? And uh, you may have missed it because you heard uh, maybe Lapham in, uh, in our man Lance McAllister talking Bengal stuff. But uh, President-elect Joe Biden addressed the, the nation from Delaware uh, talking about what's next and about the circumstance with the election. And I know it's uh, in some cases mind-numbing and, and it has been uh, problematic. And, and I've tried to avoid uh, po- at least presidential politics for several years now because you can't even hardly utter the term because it, it becomes, one, people tune it out. They get mad and, and angry, and there's not a lot of productive, thoughtful conversation. And, and uh, I have a big problem with the misinformation and disinformation and, and frankly, arguing approvable facts. You know, I mean, it's it's dark out right now. That's provable. Can't argue it. But I get a lot of people wanting to reach out and argue things as basic as that. 513-749-7800, the big one, pound 700 AT&T. And with that said, if you have a different a view of, of the outcome, it, 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 okay, I just, I'd like to understand it, but is court after court, judge after judge, uh, impartial judge after judge being conservative or liberal, and, and there shouldn't be any uh, swaying on that when it comes to uh, looking at grounds for uh, substantive uh, action in a court proceeding to say, is there something here or is there nothing here when it comes to evidence? And so far, all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States, now twice, saying there is nothing there of consequence to either make a change to make a difference or nothing that stinks there at all. And I think most reasonable, rational people should be able to process that. And maybe I'm the irrational one. It wouldn't be the first time. I mean, I, I did fall on my head off a piece of modern art in the square as a, a young child, and I should have not been a latchkey kid roaming around and, uh, and, and making dumb uh, choices. I, I, I may be not thinking correctly. But, uh, you know, when you go to what, 55, I think, 56 cases at this point that have been presented, 
you would think that if there was something there, there'd be something more going on. So I'm curious where your head is on that, and I think that can be a reasonable conversation to have if you're interested. Also, of course, uh, winning a team up 71, Cleveland, Monday Night Football. We'll keep you updates on scores on that and whatever else is going here as well. In for Gary, Jeff Walker on a Monday night at Sterling. Jeff producing the show. I'm glad you're here. You could be absolutely anywhere else, but you're here, and we appreciate it. We are the Nation Station, News Radio 700 WLW. This pandemic has been difficult for everyone. You may have lost loved ones or know someone who has. Perhaps you're back to working at home, or maybe you never return to the... And then I'm like, no, this is crazy. They're like, no, with COVID, I get fresh air. That's good. Fresh air is good. And I'm like, no, it's just too cold. Let me crank the heat. Uh, and that's what a lot of people are doing now. Uh, your nine first warning forecast. Uh, some clouds overnight, maybe some snow showers uh, late for Tuesday. Uh, 32, uh, overnight to uh, 24, actually. 37 for your Tuesday. 36 on your Wednesday. 35 on Thursday with clearing and, and maybe some sun. Some of those days, a little bit of uh, snow, too. You heard about the accumulation possibilities as well. Uh, you'll hear an update full on that with Sean Gallagher in your 930 report. About seven minutes away. Right now, 30 at your severe weather stations. 700 WLW. In for Gary Jeff Sterling, trying to make sense of things. Talk on some streaming stuff with Kevin Carr. Uh, following the news that I just mentioned, he's my partner in the Chubby and Stick podcast with a new season of that coming sooner than later on the iHeartRadio app, etc. James Rapine after 10 o'clock and a talk on Bengals. Yes, uh, I thought they had a chance to uh, handle business against the Cowboys, and then, well, it didn't quite work out. Dalton and company got themselves a W in Cincinnati, and back to Texas they went. But we'll talk to James. He'll break that down a little bit and then see what uh, to expect of Monday night football. So a week from now, the Bengals and the Steelers will be getting it on in the big one live, 700-WLW, which means, of course, Labman, Lance, and Bengals uh, talk will end up being on uh, Tuesday night instead. Mac Mariani going to join us. We'll talk on the election certification, the politics of all of that. Which it is really a uh, it's a process. I don't know, but the politics of everything, I guess, is weird these days. And we'll get into his head about it. He's the head of political science at uh, Xavier. That's after eleven o'clock. The phone number uh, is uh, nine three. Or I'm sorry, seven four nine seven thousand eight hundred. The big one and pound seven hundred on AT and T. I I had I had a strange thing happen that I overheard, and this may be a topic that we can get into a little later and try to have a little fun. I. Because it got me thinking about weird things that I've heard. I was out running errands and had to pick some stuff up at the store. And there was a a family, and they had two or three little ones uh, running around. And I'm guessing they were maybe preschoolish into maybe second grade, somewhere in that window of time. So no more than seven, eight years old at the oldest. And I don't know if it was all their family or if it was somebody else in, in the area when they were talking, and they said that they had the hurry to get home before they rolled up the sidewalks. <laughs> and the guy on the other side of the, the aisle near the checkout goes, yep, don't roll up the sidewalks. You don't want to get rolled up in the sidewalk, especially after 10 o'clock. And the one little boy turns his head, and he goes, rolled up in a sidewalk? And... He goes, yeah, you got to be careful when they do that. After They didn't used to do it. They used to do it in the old days, and then they stopped. But now with the pandemic, which, by the way, mentioning the pandemic to a, a group of little kids, I, I thought was probably unnecessary, and, and that's scarier than the rolling up of the sidewalks, perhaps, but just the same. And, and then, and I'm trying to not be too close, and I'm, but they talk loud. And, and, and I've got other stuff i got to gather because I'm being a hunter and gatherer uh, with the mask on and trying to buzz away through the store because it was stuff that I, I didn't get uh, curb pickup. 
And I hear them then all chattering back and forth. Well, he said they were going to roll us up in the sidewalk. What does that mean? We won't be able to go home if we get rolled up in the sidewalk? And then back and forth, and then they were trying to calm the kid down, which immediately then got me thinking about other strange things that I can remember either, and I've probably done this a little bit myself as an adult, but remember hearing as a kid adults say to me or to others that made my brain hurt, which doesn't necessarily take a lot, but didn't necessarily make sense to go along with that. So uh, we'll get into that a bit later. One of which, and I'll just say this real quickly here. After, let me get Raphael first about Hill. Uh, Raphael, you're with Sterling on 700 WLW. How you doing? Doing good, brother Sterling. How are you, man? I, I'm okay. I'm trying not to get rolled up in the sidewalk like the kid in the store who about lost his mind earlier. I thought that was, that was <laughs> something else, man. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Uh, you touched on earlier about the whole election, uh, the um, today's electoral college uh, uh, members casting their votes and whatnot. Yeah. And you mentioned that some people could be, you know, uh, are mad at this whole outcome, and some people are elated. I'm one of those that are more than elated. Uh, this is one of the more uh, joyous moments of my life, right behind being bird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, that's, that's pretty high up that's there. That's a major thing right there, you know. That, yeah, yeah, I'd say birth, so. That birthing thing. But, uh, Correct. Uh, this uh, this guy, uh, Don John, um, he came into the fray um, with a lie, okay? And his lie was rooted, in my opinion, in the whole racial aspect of things, okay? With that, he touched a chord, I believe, with uh, individuals and United States of America, and they, I think they felt elated that finally that their Messiah has arrived, and I think that uh, Don John had been... Who, who, who for, is Don, help me, slow down for a minute, I mean, just oh, for yeah. a second, because I mean, the thing, I think Don Johnson in, in, in like Miami Vice, Don John who? Right. Uh, uh, the guy who's currently in uh, 1600 Pennsylvania. That's his, you know, first name and middle name. Oh, Don. Uh, I don't go by okay, anything. all right, Donald J. Trump. I got you. Cool. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. All right. But uh, but anyway, um, the president. And right. He continued. He continued uh, with the whole uh, ban on immigrants from certain countries and not all countries and this and that. And so what I think he did is that he. He laid the groundwork, the framework for individuals whose mindsets were already locked down for a certain individual to say what they wanted to hear, uh, say what they had in their hearts and in their minds. And my thing, uh, Sterling, is that um, I'm an Air Force veteran, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, there is no greater place on earth than the United States of America. From day one, when he came down that escalator, all I wanted is for him to be a one-term president. I did not want to see the United States of America damaged any further than what he's already inflicted upon this nation. Well, there's a lot of people, and, and, and he's alluded to the fact that he may go for another four after four uh, w with the president-elect Biden. That's, so. that's, that's, Mm -hmm. and, and and that's cool. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right. But my thing is, is that when people, you know, they, oh, he's a great businessman. Businessman. No, that wasn't it, Sterling. It was. It was deeper than that. And why individuals embrace this guy? Well, I think okay. there, it depends on who it is. I, I think there's. Well, it, I mean, when you get but, more people to yeah, vote for, even, and I'm against the wall in time. Otherwise, I, I'd continue, mm -hmm. Raphael. And I appreciate the call. Uh, but when you get more people voting for the sitting president than has ever actually voted for anyone winning the office, let alone more people voting for President-elect Biden than him, 
uh, that, that says there's a huge bit of support for President uh, Trump currently, just not as much as President-elect uh, uh, Biden. So, that, that, I mean, that's sort of where we are. And I think there's for a whole lot of reasons, whether it's a worry about tax and other things, too. But clearly there is some sentiment with some of the, the protests that we saw that got nasty in D.C. over the weekend that there is uh, some hostility and a nastiness element to that, too. So I get that. Hopefully we can all come together regardless of political persuasion and be in a better place here in the near future. We'll see what happens. Well, a little lighter subject other than rolling up the sidewalks. We talked to Kevin Carr on streaming stuff, and we'll get back to this a little bit later as well after your 930 report. Kevin Carr joins me at Sterling for Gary Jeff on 700 WLW. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. Dealing with the Gravenson Browns, not at 14, uh, moving towards uh, halftime, I believe. We'll talk to James Rapine after uh, 10 o'clock, talk on Bengals, so what happened with the Cowboys, which, uh, yeah, I know. And, and then uh, ahead for a Monday night football, uh, uh, seven days from now, it'll be Bengals and Steelers getting it on 700 WLW on the Monday night football. But before any or all of that transpires, we have to talk to Fat Guys at the Movies, Kevin Carr, my partner in the Chubby and Stick podcast. And Jeff Carter goes, I just heard some of that while I was away. I said, yeah. He goes, not bad, not bad, pretty, uh, pretty okay. And it's always a uh, pretty okay is better than saying it sucks, uh, but, my, you know, so we got at least one uh, even i know it's it's a big uh, viral thing isn't it kevin oh yeah yeah you know people are listening all over i guess pretty okay is that that's good that's sort of like you know when siskel and ebert did the thumbs up thumbs down it's kind of like you know squarely a thumb sideways for this <laughs> like you're having a cramp or some other type of like tremor that's always good yeah that's encouraging yeah. that kind of makes sense much of it is not safe for the airwaves so it's better that you, nope. you get it in the podcast which is why it's there at fatguysthemovies.com or also the iHeartRadio app uh, so just look and, 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 and then li- well you can't really see it you can hear it it better yeah, that you don't see us you do not want to see it because i have learned way more about your personal life uh, through this podcast, Dan, I, I probably should know. That's the mutual feeling, by the way. <laughs> just keep it that way. All right, let's just keep it that way. Uh, now, I know there's lots going on, and movies are in a precarious place. This is uh, your bread and butter. This is what you do. You watch most everything. It's part of your life. It's part of your job. Um, yeah. And theaters, of course, have been struggling big time because of just the, the pandemic and, and limited uh, issues of, of availability of seating and distancing and all the other stuff we're going through. So a lot of it is uh, streaming. For those who don't, I, I know this is like master of the obvious. Let me tell everyone what, they, what the hell they already know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. at this point, unless you've been drugged up, uh, somehow hot, hidden away in rehab or someplace like that, completely unplugged, th- th- just stating the obvious. So I guess the question is, what's worth seeing at the movie if you're willing to take that chance and you want to go support local uh, movies? theaters which is nice or uh, uh, what about streaming well there's right now in theaters there's sort of this hodgepodge of stuff because all the giant releases what you would normally have coming out right before christmas they've scaled those back because when they put tenant in the theaters earlier this year it didn't do very well, and so uh, no one wants to release a James Bond movie in, in limited theaters because when Tenet did that, they kind of got their clock clean uh, box office-wise in America. So the giant releases, the big tentpole releases, that stuff you'd especially see this time of year, isn't there. But that doesn't mean the theaters aren't working. And I, I will say this, um, you know, the pandemic's bad, and, uh, you know, 
we're, we're in increasing cases here and there. Um, I, I, you know, every, everybody's in a different county, and some counties are doing better than others. But, I mean, there is an increase of cases. But from what I've heard, I've not heard any big problems of tracing uh, spreads to, like, a movie theater. It sounds to me like movie theaters in general are doing what they need to do to mitigate any sort of transmission for the people who do choose to go to them. So um, that, that doesn't mean they need to open up completely because that would probably be a bad idea. But with the distancing and the pumping in fresh air and that sort of thing, uh, you know, it, it seems like movies are or at least, you know, with, with them separating people marginally safe. And the stuff that's out right now tends to be some smaller stuff, some more limited release stuff. You've got this, uh, this sort of this Irish romance called Wild Mountain. Time that just opened last weekend, along with um, Wander Darkly, which is an award grab about uh, starring Sienna Miller as a woman who's, I guess, going through kind of maybe a near-death experience after a car accident, and she's sort of reconstructing her, her life and relationships. Um, this week, you've got some bigger stuff opening. Uh, you've got this movie called Fatal, which is kind of a, a fatal attraction type movie uh, starring uh, Hilary Swank and Michael Elay, and um, You've got Monster Hunter, which is going to be a big uh, sort of this event movie with special effects. is based on a video game starring uh, Mila Jovovich. So there's a bunch of options out there right now, uh, and uh, you may have to wait for a couple of them until this Friday. But when you go to the theaters, there's also content like I'm sure there's the, some theaters are going to be showing Christmas movies like Elf or uh, you know something like uh, A Christmas Story, uh, and there's there's still some specialty program going on that allows you to get out of the house and at least go experience it. That. And that's a good thing. And I liked what they did with the drive-ins. And obviously, this mm-hmm. is not the season for that, at least in our part of the world. Kevin Carr, by the way, fat guys, the movies with Sterling on the big one, seven hundred WLW. The the uh, older movies that they were bringing back, that uh, uh, was kind of nice to be able to see some yeah. of those on big screens and, and that type of thing. I have to ask you about something else before we get to streaming and sure. maybe some of the holiday movies. I, I don't know. It must be what I'm watching that, I, analytically speaking, they know what I want, which makes me yeah. always uncomfortable. It's that you know weird thing where you're talking about something and all of a sudden you start getting ads for the same thing. That That's yeah. creepy to me. But they, they've been inundating me in the last day or two uh, with this new Bob Go- Odenkirk movie, if I can speak English for a minute, Bob Odenkirk, who was, uh, of course, uh, a part of Breaking Bad, and, and then uh, he, he worked on the other stuff, uh, which was the, the TV show. What did he do, Mr.? Uh... Mr. Show with Bob and David. Yeah, which was just tremendous. But this nobody they, movie. They actually brought back, by the way, since you mentioned that. Yeah. Netflix has a, a an extra season of Mr. Show. They did a Mr. Show revival season a couple of years ago on Netflix. So if you've not seen that, check that out. That's good, uh, and, and I, it is worth checking out. But they're p- pimping this movie of him where he's like a, a killer who was hiding out, and it's called Nobody. It, but it's not till February, and I swear everything I went to watch at any point – even just checking how-to videos so I can mess up stuff at the house before I hire a tradesperson to come in that I can pay to fix my mistakes, yeah. was, was telling me to watch this Nobody movie. And it looks really good, but it's not till February, and it's not even Christmas. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's, that's standard marketing for movies. We're, we're in a weird time now because, uh, you know, it used to be they drop a trailer sometimes six months a year. I remember one, one year I was talking to you on a Chris, near Christmas about the Star Wars the Force Awakens trailer that wasn't coming out for another year. That's right. So, I mean, they, they would drop trailers early, but the 
but uh, you know, nobody comes out basically two months from now, and it's done by the people who did John Wick. So it's basically, it sounds to me from what everything I've seen, it's it's, it's uh, you know Saul Goodman from Better Call Saul going John Wick on a group of people, which that's that's nice and cathartic to watch. But it really uh, is, yeah, isn't I mean, it? Don't you feel so much better? I mean, it's even like the Death Wish thing to a certain extent, and that's terrible. You shouldn't act out. Don't don't be a vigilante. But there is something that palpably I, I enjoy the hell out of that seeing somebody not not do bad things to people who don't deserve it but i, I kind of it makes me feel better that maybe i need to see a doctor or something kevin carr but i mean that, that deep down i go yeah 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 i like that i like it a lot well if you gotta if you gotta see a doctor for that then a lot of people in this world need to see a doctor because yes that's a very cathartic thing and that's why movies like john wick do so well <laughs> and uh, that, that's why I think this one's going to have a nice little uh, action base in, in February. I think we're still a little bit away from being able to open a big temple release, but something like that, that can just sort of sit in theaters and do well over a couple weeks, uh, that's, that's good. I mean, even like something like, if you look back a couple weeks ago, you had that movie Freaky come out with, um, uh, with, uh, with, with Vince Vaughn as yeah, a yeah, serial yeah. killer. That looks really good, too. Is that good? Body, yeah, body swaps with like a, like a high school girl. That one's fun, and that's also, uh, that's, I think, now available on demand because uh, Universal negotiated a 17-day window from theaters to on demand with with uh, with like AMC and and other theater chains, uh, so that's why that's why you've seen mostly Universal stuff in terms of bigger releases like that Crude's movie, the, that animated movie that came out of Thanksgiving. Uh, so Universal is still releasing this stuff, but um, you know it's it's uh, I think we have well. I will say this next next Christmas next next week next Friday at Christmas they are opening Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters it's also going to be on HBO Max if you have that app on your system uh but uh but 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 you can you can go see it in theaters on Christmas day and that's going to be one of the first big big blockbusters that's being put into theaters so we'll see how well that does compared to its streaming debut let me ask this, too, but before I get to what else is new and happening now, but I've already gotten a number of people messaging me, either by text or on, on Twitter already, and they, every time I go to, ha- are you having Kevin on? When are you going to have Kevin on? you got to ask him, what about the Bond movie? Uh, and then also there's the Star Wars thing, but I think we already know how that's going to play. Well, the Bond movie, I, I don't think it's moved yet. I think it's still staked out its spring release date, which I think is in April. Um, anything can happen. I mean, they're constantly shifting dates. Like, I, I just read an article, I just saw a headline tonight, that they're shifting the, the release date of that Tom and Jerry movie, which is a Warner Brothers property. Now, um, the Bond film, I believe, is being released by, uh, it's, it's an MGM property, uh, and it, but that's coming out that's still set to come out, but they may push it. It all depends. I mean, right now we're sort of at a, we're waiting to see what happens. We, people are just starting to get inoculated from the virus, and we'll see how long it takes to roll out the uh, the virus and see how many people can can do it. And then you can start to really sort of lift some of these protocols. I, I would not hold your breath that it's 100% going, but I'd say there's probably a good... Hello? Uh-oh. See, that's always unnerving. Kevin Dis just appeared. Of, of release. And they've already said no to like stuff like putting it on Netflix. They've, they've decided to do the release, which is different than like Warner Brothers, which is saying we're keeping all the release dates and everything's going to theaters, but it's also going to HBO Max, which that's going to be interesting to see what happens through the next year with, with I mean, stuff like Matrix 4, and uh, they, they've got Godzilla versus Kong, yes. and they've got 
uh, you know, all, all these other movies that are going both to theaters and to streaming. And, uh, it, you know, I don't know if that's something that's going to change uh, the, the, the landscape, because you may not be able to put the genie back in the bottle on something like that. It's kind of tough when you've got a 70-inch TV for $45 or something. It, it, mm. <laughs> I'm only exaggerating minimally. And you no, can, you can do that, and then, you know, instead of going to the movies. But there is something I really, and you maybe get tired of it because it's work for you. Kevin Carr was Sterling, by the way, on the big one. But I, I, I really miss... Uh, being able to go to the movie and grab some, you know, uh, concession stuff. And we've talked about this. Now you can get beer, you can yeah. get good food or whatever. Sit down in that big comfy chair. Hopefully not fall asleep, which I've been guilty of on occasion. And, and well, then sit and there and I, soak I've done it that up. too. You you watch that happen with your own eyes once. With that, me. that to you as well. That's right. And you mentioned it because I wasn't going to call you out on that. It was the snoring that was <laughs> that was the best. Actually, it was as bad as some of the other people. You got to knock, do something with the fat guy. I'm like, well, how did you know about the podcast? Well, we don't know anything rec- about it. They have those recliners now, so it's impossible to not. I mean, normally you can just sort of lean on your, you know, and get your windpipe in the right position so you're just maybe breathing heavily. Correct. But boy, in those recliners, you just, you're gone. It, it's true. Uh, so you can do that at home. What's streaming now that's new? That you can Just m- mention a couple here because we've gone way long talking about this other stuff, which is, of course, what we do. Sure. Uh, well, there's, there, there's some cool, I mean, there's, when it comes to streaming, I think uh, the the things that are that are that that are getting the most attention. There's a bunch of Christmas stuff now. You've got the Christmas Chronicles. They just did the second one with Kurt uh, with, Russell. with Kurt Russell mm-hmm. on uh, on Netflix. Uh, and, and honestly, if you want to find some of the good Christmas movies, uh, you know, It's a Wonderful Life is on Amazon Prime. White Christmas is on uh, Netflix. Uh, Disney Plus has a whole bunch of stuff. Not just like the Santa Claus and the Nightmare Before Christmas, but they got the Fox properties on there too, like uh, Miracle on Thirty. 4th Street and the Home Alone movies, and uh, that's, and also, you know, this is one that's really neat to do. They have these things on, and you have it on Netflix, you can find it called Fireplace in My Home, and on Pluto TV they have stations that run this 24 hours a day, the, the, the Fireplace the, the Yule Log. And play, yeah. 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 And it plays music, so you can kind of have this burning fireplace in your house. And if, if you don't have a fireplace and you don't want to set fire to your house, uh, they, they have uh, that. This is a great thing. Wait, wait a minute. We, wait a minute. Wait, wait, what, what kind of situation is it you have a fireplace and you might burn it down? As long as you make sure it's been cleaned. No, no, no. I'm saying if you, if you don't have a fireplace oh, and you I see, also yes. don't want to set your house on yeah, fire. Yeah, you don't want to do that. That's bad. Bad things happen. We, we yeah. got people close to us here. Uh, Terry Nelson's family dealt with that just over the last couple of days. Yeah, you definitely uh, don't uh, want to be in a fire situation. So, yeah, the, yeah. the Yule Log visual is fantastic. And, and I'll tell you something really sick and twisted and, and a wonderful thing. Ozzy Osbourne has his own Yule Log thing. I think if it's not on the – I'm trying to think of where I saw it. But it, it's out there, and, and it's like set with a bunch of like Ozzy music with a Yule Log burning and his artwork uh, swinging in the back of the fireplace, which I spent some time watching and drinking with uh, after football yesterday. Does it, wait, does it like play like Black Sabbath music to it? Like, Just Ozzy. Like, I didn't no Sabbath, but I heard Ozzy stuff. So I don't know if he okay. didn't have the rights to that or not. And I think it's called like Blizzard of Ozzy or something like that. Holiday Yule Log or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's huge one, and wonderful. One of the- one other thing, if you, if you really want to catch some classics, you know, a lot of people like just like, lost their mind when they found out that the Charlie Brown, the Peanut Special, yes. weren't going to be aired, and then they ended up think they aired on PBS or something like that. But if you have you if you if you have an Apple TV, or you don't even need to have an Apple TV Plus account, just download the app on like a Roku or your smart TV, and you can access 
the Charlie Brown special. I believe you can access them for free through your app. Nice. Because they're allowing those. They're, they're, I mean, just I don't know if you can do them in January, but for the for the time being, they put those on Apple TV Plus for free. So you should be able to watch them without. You may have to sign up just with your email. See, that's like being drug dealers, isn't it? They give you a little bit of a taste, and you're like, well, why not? It's that's only right. a couple more bucks a month or whatever. And it, it makes us all feel better as like as little kids to watch that Charlie Brown stuff. Because I have friends and relatives who have little teeny kids now, and it's yeah. just like when we were teeny kids, and even in some cases, our parents' teeny kids watching these shows which is just tremendous. Kevin Carr, you are the man. Part of the Chubbing Stick podcast for me, fatguysatthemovies.com. Anything else before I let you bounce off into a wonderful bit of a Monday night? Uh, the only thing I will say is if you have a Hulu account, you, all, you should at some point watch the Festivus episode of uh, Seinfeld, you know, because it's Festivus for the rest of us as well. That is absolutely right. Hanukkah now, Christmas, and Festivus for all. Thank you, Kevin. Back in a minute, more Sterling, 700 WLW. I'm Scott Sloan, and you need to listen to this important song. Someone on Twitter once said, I'm the best. So I'm going to go. Standing right here. Why are you telling me this? I don't know. But now it's because, you know, for our own well-being and safety and stuff. Uh, Dick and Sharon don't have time for you until after 10 o'clock, so hang on if you care to. Uh, James Rapine also going to join us from Locked On Bengals. We'll talk on the Who Day and the Cowboys, and we know how that went and what to expect in one week's time for a Monday night Steelers-Bengals matchup here on the big one. But first, it's Sterling here. That's me. For Gary Jeff, who's on for Sloney tomorrow, giving way to the 10 o'clock report, and Mr. Sean Gallagher, award-winning broadcasting news monster, uh, two rooms away trying to make sense of what's going on in terms we can easily understand here in the tri-state and beyond around planet Earth on the iHeartRadio app, where where you get the best Bengals coverage. News Radio 700 WLW Cincinnati. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. Another loss in court as electors were kind, but I'm doing this. Somebody's got to make sense of stuff. It's Sterling. How you doing? Later. Mac Mariani can help him make sense of uh, the election situation and the politics of all of it for what it's worth. He knows. He's a chair of such a uh, political science. Savior. Um, Musketeers had some issues with COVID. Uh, didn't play this last weekend, and I think the first game, one of the games this week, uh, apparently also they, they shut down too because of the protocols and everything. So uh, maybe we'll get to his head about that. Uh, but not his wheelhouse, but he likes some hoops, so why not? Uh, also, I, I think it's Monday night, and in seven days, whatever, however, 24 hours, I'm not doing the math. James Rapine might. He's uh, you know, a guy who knows from all Bengals, writes for SI, locked on Bengals. He has more jobs than just about anyone I know. I may need a job sooner than later. Uh, plan B, plan C. Hell, I could need a new plan A, the way stuff's going. James Rapine, thank you for making time on a Monday night, uh, talking Bengals, Cowboys, and of course in a week with the Steelers on 700 WLW. What's going on? Not much, Sterling. It's uh, it's good to be here and, and to, to hear your voice as always. By the way, yes, 166 hours, give or take a few minutes, from Monday night football, Bengals Steelers kickoff at Paul Brown Stadium. How about that? That's strong. Now here's the question: uh, How the hell did you pull that? 166 hours, 24. Okay, maybe that's right. Did you do that with the phone? Did you do that just in your oh, head? Yeah. Calculator on my phone. Come okay, on. good. I'm not gonna lie. All right. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, because I, I mean, I could probably do that. I mean, you know, six days, seven days, twenty-four, twenty-five, then break down. It's it's, it's difficult. I wrote a little bus to school. Don't make fun of me, James Rapine. Uh, <laughs> were you surprised about what we saw? I mean, well, aside from the giving up the football the way the Bengals did with, with the Cowboys and of course Andy Dalton returning to Cincinnati. No, not not surprised. I mean, yeah, the fumbles happened. 
But even if you take the fumbles out of it, like let's just forget those didn't happen. The Bengals are outscored fourteen nothing in the second half and got outplayed, and and really just it, it, this this is who they are. Like this is who they are without Joe Burrow hiding their flaws and making plays and making the offensive line look better than it is and making frankly Zach Taylor look better than he is. And that's uh, that's not a good Dallas team that came in here and won thirty to seven. And I know the score was closer than that. Just a few, you know, it was eight minutes to go in the fourth. Let's say, but there's a reason that teams, you know, fumble three times or have a holding penalty negate a touchdown and can't overcome it. It's because they're not very good, and and other teams have to deal with that stuff and they overcome it. And the Bengals, they're just they they are what they are this year. The good news, though, Sterling. So I'm going to be positive. I was just going to ask you about it, and you just posted something a little bit ago. Oh, oh, are we talking about the draft? Well, 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 sure. Okay, there's that. I was talking about uh, uh, news about Joe Burrow, but uh, you, uh. <laughs> you see, also draft stuff. So, see, I'm in a place now, and I try to be balanced, and I try to be optimistic because if I hadn't right now, I, I would have already gone and played in traffic years ago uh, on a personal <laughs> level, which, I, by the way, don't do that. Uh, that being said, uh, it's a weird place to start saying, well, you know, the good news is we're going to do well in the draft as a result of the, the, the oh. ugliness that we've been experiencing. That's not really how you want to get better, but if you can, sure. And the reason I say it and phrase it as good news because I'm with you. I love the draft. I don't want to talk about it in December. I sure as hell don't want to talk about it in November, which is exactly where Bengals fans' heads went, and I don't blame them the moment Joe Burrow went down. But losing to the Cowboys, the reason it was so crucial, is because they were fourth in the draft order, and they still are. But if, if they had beat the Cowboys, then the Bengals would have dropped to fourth. And that's not where you want to be. You want to be able to move up, and they could have potentially dropped even farther than that, but things broke their way. So now as long as they lose, they could still win a game. Right? They could upset the Steelers on Monday night football. They could upset the Texans on the road or get a win against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in the final week of the season, and they're still going to have the third overall pick. So for the fans worried about the draft, you can root for the Bengals to win the next three games. And, you know, and if they only win one of them, it's not going to hurt their, their draft stock at all. They'll be locked into that third spot. All right, well, there you go. We're locked on Bengals. Uh, he's a guy from that, also writes about Bengals for SI. Uh, he is James Rapine with Sterling, 700 WLW. What encouraging signs do we see uh, out of yesterday's game? Because I, I, is there some ray of light and positivity? I mean, we'd seen in the last several weeks, obviously, with A.J. Green, uh, well, we got a little action yesterday, uh, but also we saw some of this young receiving core showing that they had some capabilities these last weeks as well. But what about yesterday? Yeah, I think A.J. Green is maybe the brightest spot from yesterday because he really, I don't want to say he took over the game, but it was it was close. It was maybe the closest I've seen this year uh, to, to him looking like his old self. And I, I think it's, you know, silly to, to expect him to get back to that level, but I also think that the way he's been used, the way the, the play calling has been, it's been really hard for him to get back into a rhythm and get back into a groove. And yesterday he did that. You know, he had six catches on seven targets. And their their lone touchdown drive, he really carried them down the field. And he looked explosive and he looked strong and he looked like the guy that we've seen for the past decade. So that was encouraging because not only did he look that way, because there's been other times this year where he's looked good if you just watch him run. But 
he doesn't get the ball for whatever reason. And there's a bunch of reasons why that could be the case. Yeah, because he's double, but, triple teaming him still. Maybe he, you know, the argument, what, he's lost a step is what some people have said. And then, and there also is a, a, an ability to get to that point where there's a comfort level, right, between the guy who's throwing that football and, and the receiver so that they're clicking a little bit. And, and he's seen a change, of course, after Joe Burrow in the knee. And, and that's part of it, too. And, and, and that's the thing. I mean, the offensive line, but there's so many things, right? And, and, you know, he missed all of, of training camp, essentially. So, yeah, I, the, the two things that stood out to me from a, you know, a positive standpoint, one, A.J. Green, and two, and it's tied directly to it. I think Brandon Allen looked pretty good yesterday. I, I think he, the way he moved, he was mobile. Uh, he, he ran it a little bit when he needed to and used his legs to, to buy some time. And outside of the one really awkward and ugly overthrow on fourth down, which I don't blame him because I think the Bengals should have called a timeout there anyway because he was really limping around and really trying to struggling to, to stay in the game there with that knee injury. Uh, I thought that was a gutsy drive to get him downfield, by the way. I thought Brandon Allen played pretty well. He, he wasn't the reason they lost. And if that's the case, if that's what you get from him or whoever starts at quarterback now with Joe Burrow out, you take that all day if you're the Bengals. So he did his job, and, and he got the ball to A.J. Green, and those are uh, two positive things and things that they hadn't been able to do with Joe Burrow out. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, James Rapine, by the way, who uh, is uh, from Locked on Bengals, SI now, uh, he writes about them as well and used to actually work here. And uh, it's always nice to see people uh, doing very good and, and, and sort of coming up into their own and, and so on. Hire me one day, uh, by the way. Uh, Sterling with James Rapine, 700 WLW. Uh, it, seeing that, I mean, he's got like a, what is it, a bone bruise or something like that, and then, you know, looking at him for these next few weeks, is he still going to be the guy? Is he going to be capable? Because, I mean, we did see him with that sort of have weird way that he, on those legs, was able to make that deeper throw. Yeah, we're not sure, you know, Zach didn't really give, Zach Taylor didn't really give much insight into, you know, how they're going to take Brandon. The good news is, is Allen has a, an extra day to recover. You know, you're going to get a little more time to, to rest. And there's such a drop-off. Like, that, that's the scary part. You want to talk about the drop-off to, from Burrow to Brandon Allen. It's ginormous, right? But there's a pretty big drop-off from Allen to Finley, given what we've seen from Finley uh, at the back end of three games this year. And I what think good. It, it speaks volumes. Yeah, it speaks volumes that they didn't go to him. And instead they go to the, the practice squad emergency quarterback in Allen, right? when Burrow goes down. So hopefully he can play. And it's going to be a, uh, a really, really tough assignment to, to go up against that pass rush of Pittsburgh and, and, and that defense. But, you know, if he can get to 70, 80, 90% and, and be good to go, then I think he's going to start for the rest of the season. He's kind of their guy moving forward for the rest of the year. And they're obviously trying to win games. I think that that's sort of the, the key, why you go with a guy like Allen versus Finley, because you feel like he gives, gives you the best chance to win, and, and he has. And like I said, he played pretty well yesterday, completed what, 75% of his passes or so. I think it was 26 or 37 or 27 or 36, right. something like that. He was, he was pretty solid on, on Sunday. So I don't know if we'll do that next week. But I do expect him to, to be out there, assuming he's anywhere close to 100%. 28-14 right now, Ravens and Browns are doing their thing uh, up in Cleveland, Monday Night Football. I, I have to ask, uh, in a week, Steelers, Bengals getting it on. Roethlisberger, he's about 286 years old in football years at this point, still mobile as he is, sort of, uh, and still get, it doesn't look quite like the same Steelers team we saw before they started losing some football games. But... 
Uh, Bengals Steelers is a whole nother thing. Uh, how do these teams do you think match up on a Monday night? Oh man, this is a real tough spot. <laughs> this is a real tough spot because you're going to have a Steelers team that's played poorly now for about a month. I mean, they, they've even a couple wins that they had, like they beat Baltimore. What was it on Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. Or, or it, it was the Thanksgiving game that got delayed to the next week. Right. And they beat Baltimore in that game, and they were just kind of going through the motions. And, and after that, they've dropped two in a row. So I, I expect them to come out and, and really be focused and, and playing at a high level. And that's the key, the initial key, because obviously there's a talent disparity and you know, a team's fighting for the number one seed in the AFC in a bye and the Bengals. What are they playing for? The key is intensity early. Can they somehow match that? And, and, and if so, then you know maybe it can be entertaining because we've seen that in the AFC North, right? Is it, it, it can be the, the rivalry game. It can be tough, but uh, you know obviously the Steelers are going to have a chip on their shoulder. They have a lot more talent. They have a better quarterback. They have a better weapons. They have a way better defense and pass rush. So it's a it, it's a lot to ask for, and it's a, a tough position to be in. And I, I honestly, and this is just me thinking out loud, Sterling. I think that that might be why Zach Taylor was very. Uh, maybe the most frustrated I've seen him on Sunday after the loss to the Cowboys, because maybe he looked at that as their final, like, really good chance to get a victory before the end of the year, and they went out and laid an egg. And, and now you're looking at a home game against Pittsburgh, a road matchup against Sean Watson and the Texans, and then another home matchup to end the year against the Ravens. That's that's a tough slate to end the season. It really is. I was an outside looking in, and I'm just a regular guy trying to make sense of stuff, and I was like, well, if they don't beat Dallas... Whew. But and then you go, yeah, they do get up for those conference games, AFC North battles, and of course against the Steelers. But you got to, I mean, you just, just, you just, I mean, you you really brutalized them because you're like, well, there's the talent, and then you get, well, there's talent, and then there's talent, and then you kept, <laughs> and, and then you could argue coaching, and then you go, oh, oh, so what will Monday night bring? We'll have to wait and see. Final thoughts before we let you go on a fine Monday night, uh, James Rapine, who writes for Sports Illustrated, SI Now, for those who don't know, uh, he also does all Bengals and locked on Bengals and are there any jobs that I have left out that you actually might also be doing no you're not leaving any out but you're right about the coaching situation there's a big talent gap but I think there's a bigger coaching gap right I think Mike Tomlin's a, one of the Hall top of five coaches in the NFL right he's a great coach probably the best coach in the division and that includes John Harbaugh right that includes a really young up-and-comer and Kevin Stefanski, and so they have a huge edge there when you look at this Bengals coaching staff and compare the two. So it's not just talent. You're, you're no doubt about it. It's, uh, it has to do with coaching as well. I had this conversation from a distance the other day and over some drinks with a buddy of mine, and I, I read something about it somewhere too, so I, if I'm echoing it, it's not deliberately like me stealing somebody else's thoughts. Uh, but how much more do you have some respect for Marvin Lewis, arguably, looking at what he did with what he had over a period of time with this organization in Cincinnati, uh, comparatively speaking now with his rebuild or whatever this particular thing is, dealing obviously with Joe Burrow's knee and everything and what we saw, because you said that he just a moment ago how much he sort of filled in some of those holes and deficiencies with this organization's talent. Marvin Lewis was a, a really good coach, a really good head coach, and, and that doesn't mean that the Bengals got it wrong in 18 when they they moved on from him. I just think they got it wrong in 18 with the guy they hired. And that's that's just the the reality of things. Uh, Yeah, Marvin came in and hit a lot of flaws, much like I talk about with Burrow or elite quarterbacks or elite coaches. Mike Tomlin hit a lot of the Steelers' flaws with the Antonio Browns and 
levy on bells and all the drama there behind the scenes. So that's what good head coaches do, and I think that's the other part of it here. Can Zach Taylor talk. grow into it? I mean, is that one of those uh, things, or is it one of those there's just so much where maybe it's too much? I may get hate for this, and that's all right. I'll take it. No, I, I think that – I mean, can he grow into it? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, if not now, when? <laughs> pays his dues in the coaching ranks, and that's the reality. You don't have time to waste two more years to see if he can grow into it. You have to you have to decide. In my eyes, right, I would have that sense of urgency because I have Joe Burrow. Because I know Joe Burrow, when healthy, is arguably the best quarterback in the division. That includes the reigning MVP and a future Hall of Famer in Ben Roethlisberger yep. and a Heisman Trophy winner and a number one overall pick. And so I can't, I can't waste that if I'm the Bengals. And if you look at Zach Taylor, he's clearly the fourth best coach in the division. He's four twenty four and one. And let me ask you this, Sterling. Hugh Jackson was three thirty six and one in Cleveland. And a couple of years ago, after he came back and helped Marvin, he interviewed for the Bengals head coaching job and ultimately it went to Zach Taylor. He was three thirty six and one in Cleveland. I'll say it again. Three thirty six and one. No one wanted to hire him, right? Well, he had a track record before he went to Cleveland of being a good offensive coordinator, uh, of coaching some, some really good players in Cincinnati and elsewhere, went 8-8 eight and eight in Oakland, but 336-1 and one got in the way. Well, Zach Taylor's in danger of being, he's 424-1 and one right now, probably going to be 427-1. and one. I think we just, we kind of know the answer. And, and that's just kind of the, the reality right now when you're talking about the Bengals. But you asked about Marvin Lewis. I think he did a good job. And, uh, you know, he deserved uh, interviews to potentially get another shot. But I, I also think that his had time had, had expired here, had worn yeah. out here, and that's okay. Yeah, it's every, every sun sets at some particular point in time. And then you get, you get a job, you know eventually you're going to go one way or another. Uh, it's just the way it is. James, repeat it's good to talk to you, my man. Thank you. I was feeling up for a minute, but now I'm down again. I'm not blaming you. Sometimes it's just better living through lowered expectations. Uh, for, from SI Now and all Bengals and Locked On Bengals and formerly here, James Rapine, thank you for making time. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Take care of yourself. Yes, sir. You too. Thanks, Sterling. All right, quick break. Come back. More Sterling. Let me know what you think about those Bengals. We'll talk to Dick and Sharon, those others holding on. Lots more to do on a Monday night. And for Gary Jeff, Sterling, that's me, 700 WLW. The following is a test of your comprehensive ability. Please pay attention to the following list. A hot cup of macchiato. Your favorite pair of jeans. Lots going on. After 11 o'clock, Mac Mariani, head of political science, the chair. They call him the chair, I think. That's what it is. Some people call him the boss, I suppose. It's, uh, Xavier is one of those musketeers. Uh, so we'll talk about the, the electoral certification all being uh, sent to basically D.C., I think by actual mail. I don't think those sorting machines that they were yanking out of the post offices, then they were ordered to put back in pre-election uh, to, to help move all those ballots that people... See, there's a lot of conflict right now. People, it's to fix the stolen... Sarah! Devil, stop it, stop it, believe it. Court after court have made a decision uh, to say that there's no there there when it comes to any evidence of wrongdoing or anything consequential enough to make a change in the outcome of the election for President-elect Joe Biden come January 20th. will be sworn in and then uh, be moving in all his and his family's stuff. I think they got a dog and a cat. I imagine that running around 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue as the Trumps make their way to think mostly to Mar-a-Lago for uh, well, because it's warm. And if I'm going to go someplace in January, I think I'd rather go there than anywhere else, given a choice. And I think the taxes may be a little bit more favorable. And he's also made in excess, if I'm not mistaken, of $200 million in this uh, effort uh, getting people to donate money to fight this particular cause in the courts as well. Case after case, I think in excess of 50 or 55, uh, without looking at the, the details right in front of me, where the courts at the state levels, Supreme Courts and so on, and then twice now in the U.S. Supreme Court have said – 
there's nothing there. So much so that they don't even, there's no argument to be had in front of them, and they've said thank you for playing. But uh, still raising money and then maybe running in four more years or whatever. You can certainly sound off on that if you'd like to. If you want to get interactive, that's fine. Uh, that may be uh, somewhat mind-numbing uh, for a lot of people on either side of the political spectrum. And, and I hit it down the middle as most uh, as better than I do on the golf course, uh, which means I effectively irritate people on both sides because I call out this, the ridiculousness all the way around. And the fact is uh, we have a process. The process has been, been played out and people voted. And more people who came out of the woodwork to vote that were eligible to vote than we've ever seen in the United States is, to this point in time, which is uh, we have now, what, 330 or so million people uh, of those eligible in excess, I think, of 60 percent across the country actually went and had their voice heard. And uh, more people than ever voted for President Trump. More people voted for President-elect Biden, though, than him. And that's the way it goes when each of the states has their electoral votes moving ahead. 513-749-7800, the big one, pound 700 AT&T. Uh, so that is certainly on, on the table as we get interactive. I'll talk to Mac Marinani after 11, though, uh, with his take on it. Uh, good news about the vaccine for SARS-CoV-2, the disease uh, that uh, gave us or the, the, that gave us COVID-19 in uh, the vaccines. Uh, making their way to the University of Cincinnati and in Columbus at the Ohio State University, and it will be making its way slowly across the country, uh, giving people on the front lines of this battle for health care uh, and people most vulnerable, uh, and a lot of them in nursing homes and so forth. I've had a, a good buddy of mine's mother, Mary, hey, uh, in a situation right now. I've been in a rehab situation, and then uh, not for drugs. i got to clarify that because I am not on the drugs. I don't know. Goofballs could be fun, depending, especially if you're being taken care of by doctors. Either way, thankfully, uh, she uh, not having any real serious uh, issues with COVID, uh, but those environments, very much a problem. So a lot of people in those facilities are also going to be getting it before most of us that are uh, younger and healthier, generally speaking. The good news also with this, in, in the news of an excess of 300,000 people now in the United States, millions otherwise, losing their lives from COVID-19, is that at least most of us will get uh, maybe some sickness, maybe minimal sickness, maybe even be uh, asymptomatic. And the trick there with masking and distancing and washing hands, I know you've heard all this a thousand times at least, is that for the most part then we don't end up playing Johnny Appleseed spreading the sickness around. At least that is the hope. The problem is when you're in a facility like that, and many of us now even in our homes, uh, with the curfew now in place and uh, fear of, of getting exposed and getting it, is that there are people that aren't seeing their family and friends and their, uh, you know, everybody that they would like to be, especially coming to uh, Christmas time and in the midst of Hanukkah and everything else in the days ahead. So show some love to those people. Buy some takeout food if you're not going to go into a restaurant and sit down when you can to help these uh, businesses and not just restaurants, but any local business at this point trying to uh, keep it going. Uh, keeping money moving and everything else. But uh, the vaccine uh, apparently is uh, looking to uh, make things better, and then that's a positive. And then another approval is expected within a week or so, too. So that's that's uh, good news all the way around. I want to mention this because uh, I've seen it uh, tweeted, it was talked about, and now it's out there. The, the U UPS, not the Postal Service, but UPS, the big brown trucks and, and all, uh, which I think they're still hiring for holiday stuff. Uh, they have relaxed uh, the uh, ban on facial hair for those people that are dealing with the public. I guess if you were working in sorting, they didn't care if you had a ZZ Top beard. You just had to keep it away from those machines so you didn't get yanked off your head. Uh, but now uh, guys are going to be able to show up and drop boxes on your porch or bring them into your business. 
uh, with longer hair, with braids, with uh, afros, uh, and also uh, beards and stuff, where previously they couldn't. I don't know how much of that is being able to get people to take those jobs and how much of it is the fact that most people are more comfortable with people looking that way at this particular point in time. My question is, do you have a problem with it? And what is, uh, I guess, the... What is the rule where you work? If you're lucky to be working at this point, do, do you limit uh, facial hair, uh, tattoos, ink, you know, artwork on the body, uh, you know, piercings and so forth? There, there was a guy, I, I was in a, at a grocery store, a big chain here in the region. Uh, it's been a year or two ago, and he had those uh, gauges in his ears. They weren't super big like you'd see like on a National Geographic commercial or, or, or you know, a show or something, but he had some, they were probably quarter size. And uh, but he was, you know, hair was all neat, all dressed as he should. It was like the seafood counter or whatever, you know, where you go and he's, I think it's those crab legs. I want some of this. Maybe there's a big fat scallops you can put on the grill. Shouldn't do that. It's only 1042 and I'm hungry now. Anyway, so I'm there and I'm getting ready to order some stuff. And there's a woman. I can't believe they'd have him dressed like that. I'm like, and it didn't even hit me. I didn't see anything wrong with the guy at all. And I'm like, what do you mean? Who? Where? She goes, the guy with the things in his ears. I said, he's not wiping the fish on his ear. I don't, I don't see the problem. His hair's not in the way. She goes, well, you don't get it, kids. And she was, she was a little on the older side. So I think there's a generational thing there too, right? It's sort of like the skirt, sort of with the hair, maybe with braids, maybe with dreads, whatever else it is. I mean, I, I remember even kids in high school with colored hair. Right. So we're talking 80s uh, when I was in high school towards the end of the 80s. And you'd have like punk rockers, you know, they get mohawks. Uh, a buddy of mine had a reverse mohawk, which was bewildering, shaved it in the middle, left the other hair there. Now I just don't have any. So who cares? But and also some dying of hair. And that was a big thing. They're like, well, you can't dress that way. You're distracting in the class. And I remember sitting there going, the only one who's distracting anyone is you as the instructor complaining about the person who had the hair because everybody else was handling their business in the classroom. And, I, of course, then I was in trouble because I opened my mouth, which is probably why I ended up here on the big one. Seven four nine seven thousand eight hundred, the big one, pound 700 AT&T. And if you're on Twitter, you can follow along at Sterling Radio. Let's get to some calls. Uh, let's get to Sharon and Pleasant uh, Plain first, and then uh, Glenn and Dick and room for you on 700 WLW. Sharon, how are you? Thank you for being patient. <laughs> Hi, Sterling. Oh, my goodness, you're so uh, vibrant. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, I enjoy listening to you, but I've noticed that... It's good. To, wait, have, hold on a minute. It's good to be heard by you as well. Thank you. Well, as you've been on more and more, even though you, uh, like I said, are, are just like constant uh, talking and thinking and all these thoughts, you're, you're, calm, you're getting calmer. You're, you're seeing more at ease with what you're doing. So. I, maybe it's because anyway. I... Maybe like my dog i feel like I, maybe i've been altered and didn't know it he's calmed down a lot too i i, I there i don't need any little sterling or sterlingettes at this point maybe that's it i had a, a friend of mine she's like you know if you do that then we don't i'm like i've shared too much i'm sorry sharon go ahead <laughs> well anyway i wanted to put my two cents worth in regarding the voting yes ma'am and um i've seen all the videos with the suitcases under the tables and i've seen the photos of the the mail-in ballots that didn't have any creases in them and all those things. But what did it for me, and I won't ever feel right about voting again until this is all straightened out, is I'm one of those people that stayed up all night watching the votes. 
I didn't pay that much attention to the percentage. I was just looking at the vote. And right along 3 o'clock and thereafter, I noticed I took a second look because Trump had 77,000 votes in one state, and it went down to 75,500. And I looked a little bit later, and it went down to 74,000. I was thinking, wait, this can't be, because the votes don't go down. They either stay the same or they go up. How could this, this can't be? And that's what it continued to do for the next couple of hours. And that showed me right there that there was some kind of cheating going on. Mm. And so, and I don't know why they don't just go back and show the videos of the TV that night when when all this was going on, when they were having the votes. Which, which state was that? Do you know? I can't remember. So you don't I, know I the wanted, state, right? Uh, well, I wanted to say uh, I wanted to say Pennsylvania, but I, I don't remember now because right. they were all scrolling across the screen. Of course, I, I know I some of that it. is how they were entered, as far as whoever was putting it on the what they call the crawl, which crawls across the bottom of the screen. Which now but they could, but it, how could they go down? Well, that that's an entering thing, well, and I know I, I understand. And, and then some of the other but, stuff is as they were processing votes. From what I am understanding, is as they go in, not the d- going down. That, I, that that's a weird anomaly. But I it, think it would stay the same or go up. But but these were going down. Yeah, you but, always want them to go up if you want to win. That tends to help, right? But after after it was all over, I went to sleep. The next morning, I kept thinking I had to have been dreaming or something. That couldn't possibly have happened. And then I got a call from one of my friends. We talk every morning at breakfast. And she was talking about the election and stuff. And she said, you know, there's one thing I don't understand. I was watching last night, and all of a sudden the votes on Trump started going down. And I don't know how, why that happened. And so then I knew I wasn't dreaming because somebody else saw it, too. Are, are, you and, ta- are you talking about the count on electoral votes rather no, than the actual the vote. raw vote? See, no. I have to look into that because some, some people have been sending me things from sources that are – Shady at best, let's just say, right? And, and, and looking at those people in county to county and state to state who oversee these elections that are bipartisan, Republican and Democrat, who then certify yeah. these. And then we had these that were then recounted and then recounted again, say, for instance, in Wisconsin or you know, in Pennsylvania, whatever it is where they did recounts, paid to have it done in Wisconsin. And yeah. th- those numbers didn't sh- – in fact, the net gain ended up – Biden got more votes when they recounted. Which is really not what a lot. I think the people who wanted the recount to have happened is, is they certified stuff. So I understand right. the, the frustration and the aggravation. Well, but well, this, this wasn't certified. This was the night. Of no, the I, I understand, and all okay. of it was tentative. And, and I just had this. Con- in fact, with a relative a couple of weeks ago, because this is drawn out now to the more the back end of December now. And, and the conversation was, well, all of a sudden, all these votes came in late from the mail. And I'm like, right, because it was the mail, and they counted those that were electronically processed in person with the machines, and in some cases they weren't allowed to start actually counting those mail-in ballots before the actual polls had closed. So they sat there in a stack, and as they moved through, those numbers obviously came in fast and furious. Many of those did, in fact, go more Democratic, at least at the top of the ticket, not all the way down the, the electorals that were going on for other elections, just by the nature of who took the time to mail them in rather than to go in person to do it. Here's the disheartening thing. The, the way we see it, our president currently spent more than a year, multiple years, talking about how this election that we just had was going to be fixed. 
He fired someone yeah. who oversaw it that he put in that position who disagreed with him and said it was safe because they didn't agree with him. He hated on other Republicans whose job it is to certify and were elected by other Republicans, generally speaking, whether it's Georgia or elsewhere, because they didn't agree with him. Sometimes what it is is not what you want. But if you are in the pers- position of being on the bully pulpit and you say something enough over and over and over and over and over again that's untrue, people start to believe it. And there's a history of that going back to the late 30s and early 40s. I'm not comparing and contrasting specifically the agendas of those particular individuals or groups. But I'm saying the reality is if you say something enough, people start to believe it. Hence the the helper that my grandma took me to sit on the lap of a guy when they had another one ringing the bell out front. And I couldn't figure out how there was a guy downstairs and upstairs helping me get my BB gun. Well, my, my bottom line, Sterling, is it could have been Trump. It could have been Buster Brown. In either case, the vote should not have gone down. I got you. And that, I can't, I can't uh, handle that. I understand that. Here's what I hope. (laughs) I I, I honestly hope, uh, and I wouldn't lie to you anyway. My problem is I'm too honest when I should shut up sometimes. I want there to be confidence in this system, in this process. And when you sow the seeds of discontent and disbelief and, and misinformation and disinformation on a regular basis, uh, and selling it against something that you're in charge of does not help that. And that actually no, uh, causes I, I more agree. of a problem. And, and that's an issue of distrust in, in the system that we have. And, and other parts of the world, other countries benefit from that. And, you know, we're still the greatest country in the world, but it is an experiment which we're living in. And these are growing pains. And we have to be together, and we're better when we are. And hopefully the next president will be Joe Biden is able to somehow get to a place where people give him a chance to do it, regardless of party, because that person is there to work for us all and hopefully make this place better. But if we don't do it as people, no one's going to be able to do it there either. I I really appreciate the call and the kind words, Sharon, and and I hope you continue to listen. And hopefully we uh, can maybe uh, spend some time uh, talking again in the future. So take care of yourself. I'm late for a break. Glenn, Ahmed, Dick, room for you as well as the lines start uh, getting here. uh, your chance to get interactive between now and 11. 749-7800, the big one, pound 700 at I'm on Twitter, at Sterling Radio, anything we've talked about so far. And then Mac Mariani, after your 11 o'clock report, which Rob Carpenter is feverishly preparing for now. He has to disseminate mass quantities of information to feed your brain so you know what the hell's going on in the world. On 700 WLW. There's a lot going on these days. It's time to talk about it. A couple of thoughts from Eddie and Rocky. Yeah, we get it. You're passionate about your feelings. We're not here to judge or get in your face. Uh, 11 o'clock report straight away. Uh, we'll talk to Mac Mariani, uh, chair of political science, about everything going on after the news. Let me get Ahmad uh, real quick here. Maybe if we're lucky, uh, maybe more than that before 11 o'clock. Ahmad, it's your turn with Sterling on 700 hey, WLW. How, you, how you doing, brother? I'm trying to be okay. You? Yeah, I'm wonderful. Good. Listen, uh, listen. Uh, I think a week after the election, I was thinking, okay, those people, they have the right to, you know, challenge all those things. But if you look deeper and deeper, I think it's something behind it. I, I, I don't know. They, I think all the Trump followers who think, I mean, the election was weak, they know. I, I mean, they know better. They just want to play this game. I don't know why. And really, what really frustrated me about all the situation is, Smart people like Willie and all those talk shows try to defend it knowing they know what they're saying is not true. Well, I don't, 
I don't I don't know. I don't know what they know or don't know. Maybe maybe I don't know. I, I mean, I'm at, look, I, I'm in the middle, so I, I know I irritate everybody, Democrat, Republican, or whatever, but I, I try to be thoughtful and fair and reasonable and rational and in an unreasonable world, or at least a voice of such. I try anyway. No, I mean, in the beginning, seriously, after the election, I said, okay, if this thing is rigged, just let them do their thing and see what's going on here. But the deeper you look at it, the deeper you're thinking about it, Deeper, you understand, it's something behind it. Well, I think it's something. They, well, what? They not. They care about something. What they caring about? What? I, I don't know. I mean, What's discouraged? I'm, I, I, mean, I got to leave you at that, Ahmed. I'm, I'm against the wall. We can try to get Glenn and Norm after Mac Mariani if you can hang on or call back. Hopefully, the, the news straight away with Rob Carpenter. But here's the thing: the worry is if. I don't even want to say civil war, but there's a lot of people I've heard sort of tease that as being something that would be necessary. And that's problematic and ridiculous if you start, you know, breaking down the distrust of, you know, basic elements of this democracy or this democratic republic. It's challenging. It's 11 o'clock. Time for news. Sterling for Gary Jeff, where the Bengals play Monday night football. News Radio 700 WLW. News, traffic and weather. News Radio 700 WLW. Cincinnati. And I see you nurse the first. Yes, and on the big one. It is home game, right? Yeah, it is. Final hour, we'll get an earful from Mag Mariani, political science uh, boss. I think I can call him that. Yeah, Xavier University. Find about the, the electoral process a little bit and the politics of what's going on in this conversation, which I, 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 I'll I be completely candid with you, uh, and, and, I, and I always am to my detriment even, frankly. I, for <laughs> the last several years, have done my damnedest to stay away from any of this conversation because even just the facts in, in, in stating that with minimal opinion at all – has been a, a tune-out, an argument, a frustration, not just with families at their home or at work, but hear me doing this, even though it is effectively, other than the top and bottom of the hour, an entertainment medium, even though we try to super-serve with information and, and other bits of, of stuff that matter to you and yours. So I, I realize that there's a whole lot of people who have not wanted to hear what they didn't want to hear, and they prefer to have an echo chamber. And that may be on both sides of the political spectrum, but lately more side on one than the other. And then right now, the guy who's about to leave the office of president has sort of helped sow the seeds of discontent, misinformation, and disinformation on an all-too-regular basis that is causing effectively what has seemingly been a, a constitutional crisis in these United States, uh, almost like a third-world country kind of scenario. And what we have seen is uh, those people who have been judges, even up at the level of the United States Supreme Court, in, in excess of 50 cases, have said there is no factual information, no factual proof of any wrongdoing, of any consequence to make any change in the outcome of any of these states across the country that would sway the outcome to change Joe Biden being uh, sworn in January 20th, and I believe January 6th, uh, the certification process in Congress by Vice President Pence. Now, that being said, to get some insight into it on a more uh, succinct level and a more knowledgeable level, because we always go to the experts, is the aforementioned political science boss, the head chair, call him what you want, Mac Mariani from Xavier with Sterling on the big one. I appreciate you being here. I, 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 what, did I, what I say makes sense to you? Am I off base or, or crazy in, in what I've described or my assessment of what's going on? Well, first of all, I need to clarify that I am no longer chair of the political science department, and, oh, and no. uh, that that honor now falls on uh, Honest Malik, my colleague, uh, 
who is uh, doing an outstanding job. I, I've finished up my six years as chair, and I am now um, I, in, in academia. See, being chair is something that you you don't look forward to. It's not a promotion anybody wants. So um, I'm glad that Honest is the, he's the right man for the job at the right time. So. Okay. All right. Now, um, so I'll call you Guru if that's acceptable. <laughs> rather that than would be, that would be fine. I just don't want to take credit where it's not due. No. Fair I'm enough. Not... Fair enough. And, and to the rest of what I said in that mini monologue, sort of setting up this conversation, because uh, I, I, I feel the need to explain myself. Because when I've stayed away from it, people go, you know, am I an entertainer? Am I about the news and information? And um, I hope to be a little of all of that. But when, I wanna, when we're talking serious stuff, I want to be serious, and I don't want to be a part of the problem. I don't care whether you're left or right or anywhere in between. I, I want to be a part of the solution in the midst of this. And it's very difficult to do that in, in these troubled times. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm both, um, I'm partly more optimistic and a little less optimistic. I don't think we're at any sort of constitutional crisis stage yet. Although I think um, the rhetoric sometimes exceeds what, what, um, what would be considered well within our, our ordinary norms. You know, I think that the reality is we're, you know, we, we've been looking at, you know, the last, the last six elections by my, by my count. Um, we've, we've had significant numbers of people, um, on one side or the other who felt like the election was stolen. I guess 2000, 2004, 2016, and now 2020. And I don't think that's anything inherent in any one party or, or not. I think the reason is probably more psychological than anything else. First of all, the stakes are enormously high. We put a ton of power in the in the in the hands of the presidency um, and in the hands of the courts, which are by extension uh, selected by the president. So it's a uh, the stakes are enormously high, um, and politics means a lot in our day to day lives in it ways does. that maybe a hundred years ago it it didn't feel as you know on a day to day basis that we were affected as much by it. Even though we were, we probably just didn't didn't feel it or didn't realize it. Um, you know, religion has also, and we've seen a decline in religiosity um, over the last uh, 50 years. And I think if people, you know, people are putting their energy and their belief systems kind of into political parties and charismatic political leaders. Um, you know, we have this this human itch, um, right, to believe in things, right. Um, and um, and that that unfortunately, if we're not going to church, we're going to find some other we're going to find some other place to put our our belief system. But it, I, I agree with you. It's, this is not a healthy thing, right? I think it's in a republic in particular. Politics has a place. Elections have a place. We hold an election, and to some extent, we need to let it go at some point. And you know what I think we're seeing, um, you know, on the Trump side here, and what we probably saw from Democrats back in 2016. Um, is to a certain extent the stages of grief, right? And you've got this denial um, and the, trying to trying to wrap your head around the fact that the, your candidate didn't win, um, and you got this anger, right? And, it, and and you know part of this is that both parties can point to both in 2016 and and in 2020, you know, in almost any election there is some degree of foreign interference, and there's almost every election there's some degree of of um, election fraud. Um, but the challenge is, 
you know, is there enough to overturn the election? Is there enough to throw out the results of, of the election? And, and ordinarily, I think probably you can look at the 2000 election as being the sole exception here because it was such a close election decided by 600 votes. Well, that, and that was cases, all about pregnant, dangling, and, and dimpled chads, which was a yeah. totally – we all got an education on that. And those, of course, thankfully have gone to the wayside, although now the question is, what about those voting machines? Right, right. And that was the issue in 2004, too. Remember uh, John Kerry and uh, uh, I think it was Diebold at the time was Correct. the company, right? Now we've moved on to from Dominion. Diebold to, to uh, this, the, the new company. I can't remember Dominion. the name of it right now. Dominion. Yeah, Dominion. Yep. So, right, yeah, whichever, I don't know. It's probably, Dominion is probably just Diebold. They probably changed their name. Yeah, it's Brandon. <laughs> it's all about, I should it's probably, probably change mine soon, too. Who knew? I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know if that's the case or not, but it wouldn't surprise me, right? You get a, you get a bad reputation for one thing, and you need to move on. Um, and four years from now, Dominion will have a different name as well. Or so. maybe just a new logo. I can freshen that up, too, yeah. Or implants. Exactly. If I got implants, I, yeah, that might help me, too. But uh, who knows? That sounds and, like know, a lot Trump, of pain. Trump's challenge, you know, he has, you know, like any candidate, you have a right to go to the courts and say um, you, don't think, you don't think the votes were counted right, you could, uh, that the votes were somehow illegitimate. But big claims require big evidence. And, um, you know, Trump's just not been able to bring the evidence um, that he needs to get, the, to get courts to turn, to turn these things around. Again, the stakes are extraordinarily high. And courts are very low to overturn elections, uh, particularly one that's as big as this one. Um, you know, there were always three things going against Trump, right? The need, one, to, to show that the fraud exists. Two, to show that the fraud was big enough to actually overturn the election. And that's a significant, you know, given the, given the number of votes we're talking about in Pennsylvania, I mean, Georgia's relatively close, but that doesn't really decide the election. Right. Um, Arizona doesn't really decide the election. Michigan is a large number of votes. Pennsylvania is a large number of votes. Those are, you know, if you, if you can't overturn all of those, you're not really going to go anywhere. And then the third one is that we have these, these, these kind of hard deadlines that we have built into the system for the presidency so that there's some sort of transition um, that happens quickly. And we, we hit one of those today, right? The Electoral College voted. We hit one a couple weeks ago, which was the safe harbor deadline. Um, when essentially Congress has to kind of respect the certification of the votes by the state, um, at least legally. Um, and then we'll have another, you know, there's another big deadline come, coming January 6th, and that's when the, the joint session of Congress will count the Electoral College votes. Um, and, you know, that's going to happen. The process is moving forward. You know, now, now the real question is what's the political fallout here? What's the political fallout for Trump? What's the political fallout for, um, for, the, for the Republicans who are left behind? Uh, what does Trump do next? Uh, you know, those are, the, those are the questions, I think, more than anything. I mean, we still have to get through January 6th. Um, but that, you know, the, the, the absent some sort of massive uh, evidence of fraud that has thus far not been produced, we're, we're you know, we're probably going to be looking at, uh, you know, President Biden uh, come January. I think everybody expects that. And, you know, the system will be fine. Uh, Mac Mariani, by the way, I call him a guru, but he is a political science expert, Xavier University with Sterling on 700 WLW. So you mentioned the difficulty 
and what we've had now is a, a good number of years of questions about impropriety or you know interference. And we've done our share of interference internationally in elections ourselves as the United States and our government uh, operatives or whatever. I mean, that's fairly well documented. And that's an ongoing thing. And at this point, it's come out that, you know, that was going on. Uh, a guy was fired who was supposed to oversee some of that cybersecurity stuff, and he said it was as clean as we had seen in that regard. Uh, and he was kicked to the curb. Uh, and my question is this. How does one, historically looking at it, you would know better than I, get to a place where we can have some more credibility with the process, with the system, and not to mention what I consider because these, you know, where I work, we hold a license as broadcasters to, to do the people's work and in exchange for the opportunity to sell advertising, and you hope you keep an audience large enough, this is unnecessary to a point, but to sort of break down how I look at it. Uh, we have to keep as large an audience as we can to serve our advertisers, to get as much money as we can. In exchange for the opportunity of holding that license, we do the per people's business and, and hope to serve our community, and we do that in a host of ways. I personally take a responsibility when it comes to something as serious th as this is to take it as that serious. I may make fun of like it was Clinton back in the day with the blue dress and the cigar and the pizza box <laughs> and the Oval Office. But when it comes down to elections and security, we can argue philosophy, but provable facts night to day, day to night and so forth. That's not a philosophical thing. That's a provable fact. And people not only are having arguments in their kitchens about this or wherever else, I, I feel I have a responsibility to try to deliver as, as candid and straightforward a, a bit of information as I can, having people like you on, Mac Mariani, to lay it out there for people to make up their own mind. But th there is a, a, an onus of responsibility from TV to radio to print to do these things. But there is also the idea of free speech. And whether that's social media or otherwise, that's a weird area to walk to say where it's responsible or irresponsible for information to be shared. Wouldn't you agree? And help, or am I off base? Well, and, and, you know, one of the things that you notice is that, you know, when I say before the last six elections, right, they're all sort of elections that, that have come after the Internet era, right? right yeah. Um, and um, part of, you know, and so part of that is the fact that it's kind of the Wild West in terms of, you know, people are able to kind of throw a lot out there. Right. And, and, and there's not a lot of vetting and there's not a lot of, uh, you don't have, um, first of all, you don't have as many reporters out there that, the, that there used to be who were able to dig up, uh, and investigate stuff. Um, you know, when, well, then there's too many wild claims out there now to have, you know, there's not enough reporters in the, in the history of the world to, to, to look into every wild claim on the internet. So that, that's a huge challenge, right? And the second thing is that the politicians are, are responding to the incentives of the internet, right? Um, and that is, well, how do you how do you attract votes? How do you attract money? You do that um, by you know by doing what Trump does to some extent, right? Trump's brand is he doesn't back down, right? That 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 draws people. It draws Huge brand. Strong it draws strong support, and pe people reward that with money. Um, and you know you add to that the fact that uh, the country's been changing in ways that result in much less competitive elections. Um, you know, this is partly because of people's choices about where to move and, and, and uh, how they want to live. And this, to the extent that we now have these very, very strong Democratic cities. And, and, man and gerrymandering, too, and to a certain extent also controls, obviously, at least some of that at one level yeah, some, or another, Yeah, some too. of that, although I think that's probably so. over more. I, I think it's more about where people live. Um, but it, but it, on, the, on the edges, that matters as well. So, you, you know, you, you have this kind of lack of 
competitive elections. You have the, the, the drive to, to raise as much money as possible. The decline of political parties, as you know, used to be the political parties, were kind of a force for moderation because they wanted to win elections. Um, and political parties now, uh, you know, are essentially vessels for the individual ambitions of people pursuing their political careers in non-competitive districts, which results in very polarized politics. Um, and so, you know, that, I think that's part of what we get, right? You know, if you, if you, you know, if you were to acknowledge that George Bush won in 2004 um, legitimately, um, then that, that, that closes a door for you with the people most likely to write checks, right, who can't stand George Bush and think he's capable of anything, and vice versa, you know, the people who think that Joe Biden is capable of anything and the Democrats are capable of anything will be, you know, very, you know, will be very resistant to the idea that the, that Trump lost this election. Um, and again, you add to that a little bit, you know, a, a little bit of uh, of reality, right? The, the fact that there is, you know, if you if you want to go looking for reasons to think that somebody put their thumb on the scale, and you're a Democrat, and you say, ah, the Russians, they wanted Trump to win, they wanted, you know, you can find that, right? And if you if you want to look and find evidence that people voted twice, and you you know, you can find that as well, right? You know, but you know, is it in such a such a degree that it would it would likely turn the election. I, I I think in most cases probably you know we'd have to say probably not. And you know the other piece of it is um, we're kind of stuck, right? Like you know we're not going to be able to vet every single vote once they get mixed in, once those those envelopes get thrown in together in a pile. Um, you know the, the the only solution would be to. Uh, I mean, there are some there, there's some procedural solutions to make our elections safer and make our elections more protected. Um, but those are, um, you know, you're never going, you know, whatever you do to fix the ele- this election this time, somebody's going to figure out, you know, a way around it. To some extent, the, the, the Dominion voting systems are an example of that. Those are supposed to be safer, right? Because, oh, we do this and we can follow all the votes and they're all in a machine, right? But it creates its own problems down the road. So every every solution creates creates new problems. It certainly does. And you kind of go, well, if I go to the bank and get cash out, I've got a receipt, and then I can certainly, you know, have the ability, if there's a problem, that can be audited. Or if they spits out more money than it was supposed to, they're going to be able to figure out that when, you know, McMurray or Sterling went to the ATM, that's where it may have happened, or the opposite, depending if we got shorted. Probably harder to get your money extra that way. But it's a very difficult thing if people don't have trust in it and that that is uh it's worse now than any time that i can recall not that i'm an old old man but i mean i'm you know getting to 50 ish so that it's a, it's a weird time final thoughts yeah. before i let you go mac mariani yeah i mean part of this comes out of rhetoric too i mean i think the you know we i think we you know we've got to figure out a way to to talk to each other and de- you know and and to accept the fact that people are going to have different points of view um, you know, and, and and that's on both sides, and and so to some extent, if you if you have a rhetoric that doesn't allow disagreement, um, it's very hard to build trust. It's very hard to to reach across the aisle. It's very hard to uh, find the moderation if there's no incentive for it. Um, and you know, that, I think that falls on every, it falls on everybody. It falls on people on the radio like you. It falls, it falls on people like me who call in. Um, but you know, it's difficult to do because we care a lot, and and the issues are important. Yeah, and hate and divisiveness doesn't help either, and that's another wrinkle that we've seen more now than we have in decades, and, and that's also con- disconcerting, at least to some of us. Mac Mariani, I call him a guru. He knows from political science. He teaches such uh, at the Xavier University here in Cincinnati, and uh, I appreciate your time, as always, and uh, thank you for making time for us.
Thanks, Sterling. Take care of yourself. Uh, back after your 1130 report, Glenn will be first your chance to get interactive. We'll open it up to whatever else is coming up after the news. More Sterling, 700 WLW in for Gary Jeff. I'm Scott Sloan, and this jingle cost me 200 big ones. Am I the best? Well, I'll tell you this. I are in the studio uh, two rooms away from me, all looking up at their monitors. It's a Cleveland game, and Rob Carpenter, I'm not going to hold against him, of course, being a Browns fan, nodded at 42 because they went for the extra point. Jeff Carr off the air is like, I don't know, they should go for two. He's still pissed because he had the under on this game, and it's ridiculous, which was about what each of the teams have scored on their own. And he's laughing, but it's true. Uh, and and uh, But here, here's the thing. Next Monday night, will it be as an exciting game uh, with the Steelers and the Bengals going at it at PBS and on 700 WLW? No. Are you okay with the under? I mean, it was a bad choice, but, I mean, you, you, you seem much more composed now. Off the air, it's like, I can't believe I took the under! Why did I take the under? I'm like, I don't know why you took the under. Is it just entertainment, or are you playing for, like, survival here? Because, like, when I lived in Vegas, you'd see people uh, occasionally come into, into, like, a casino. I'd only be there to go to the buffet, of course. And, and they go in there, and, and there was a desperation in some cases. It could be palpable. And there was a time my buddies and I would go out there regularly before I moved there and then came back to Ohio. Court. Always ended up back here. I don't know why. Uh, at least until they fire me. A- anyway, uh, it could happen. So uh, I'm out there, and one time there, there's a guy, and he's got a station wagon, like an old-school station wagon. My buddies and I are leaving. We're going to go, like, shoot guns and eat food somewhere else before we give more money to the casinos. And, and uh, he, he's running inside. I had to go in and get something I forgot, like a player's card or something, because you get points. And, and then and I, points add up to, like, free food and whatnot. And, and we go to go, he, he's coming in. He's left his children in the car, and he's going to play meaning that he's gambling with money that his kids, he left alone at the outside. It was bewildering. So I, I don't, you're not in that position right now when you're complaining about taking the under. No, it's, it's, just, okay, pure, good, good. it's just pure entertainment. And all actually, right, right. I couldn't be happier to be wrong about this. This is a fantastic game. Well, it's bad because here's the thing. And my buddies, I have my phone here, too. i got multiple devices, multiple monitors in front of me, phone, tablet, three or four TVs in here, and, and whatever else. And my phone is, you know, vibrating constantly with all I had, like, 36 texts. I'm like, what happened? What could possibly have happened? And, and I'm looking at the game, and all my buddies are drinking and, and, and uh, talking about this Monday night football game. I, we can only hope that Steelers and Bengals in town here at PBS is going to be something as compelling as this game that's going on right now. And it looks like the Ravens are going to go for the win. Isn't that how that works? I think that's how it works in the overtime, right? Uh, so we'll see here post-haste. And uh, we were talking about, I mean, we've talked about everything. Let me open up the phone to whatever, uh, and uh, we'll give you a chance to speak your mind. Uh, 513-749-7000, the big one, pound 700 AT&T. Since July of 1976, and I haven't talked to Glenn since about 1984, it seems like. How are you? How is life? How's your son? What is going on? Uh, you, a mason monster, you. Or mauler, excuse me. Well, just let me say, as, as I drink my last sip of wine, I'm watching this game and listening to your show. Everybody's fine, uh, Sterling. And uh, let me say happy Hanukkah to you, man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I said happy Hanukkah. To oh, you. well, thank you. Half of me embraces <laughs> that, the Hanukkah bush, and then the Christmas tree. I appreciate it. The phone got weirder, at least on my headphones. So uh, I, uh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Happy Christmas time to you as well. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hey, let, let me say this, Sterling. Um, with all due respect to Mac Mariani, and I, I like him, and you've had him on your show a lot, and I thought once he lost whatever label that he had that you, I would get more of what you told that lady that called in who honestly believed that when she was watching the election, she saw 
Donald Trump's vote totals go down. Not as if Joe Biden's vote totals went up, shrinking the lead of Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump because, as you rightly said, they counted the votes of the, the people that actually walked in that day as opposed to the mail-in votes. Right. And these were things done in Republican-led legislators' uh, states. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, 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 don't, I don't get it. And I, I honestly believe, Sterling, that, and I've said this before, I think Donald Trump broke the presidency. And, and actually, I think it's a little frightening for that teenager that you asked about, my 21-year-old that's working in the school right now. Right. Because there are honestly, I, never, I saw this on Fox News poll, 77% of the people actually think that they stole the election. And when Matt comes out and says, and I'm glad that he mentioned uh, Al Gore in 2000, but 2000, mm-hmm. you and I know that that was, like you said, 600 votes. Sterling, just imagine this, and I'll end with this. Just think if Donald Trump got his way, Sterling, they would have disenfranchised 20 million votes in those four states that they contested. And then you had 126 members or 106 members of 162. Congress. I, no, yeah, no, I, no, wait, I'm sorry. It's either I got to look it up. It's either 126 or 162. I, right. I, I dyslexic my brain. Actually, sign their name to this, Sterling. So. They were willing to go that far, Sterling. Think about this. I mean, after Hillary, um, you know, lost, everybody was disappointed. Um, you know, they again, we're talking about false equivalency. But, you know, actually, when you have, what, seven members, six members of your cabinet get indicted and or convicted because of something that happened to do with Russia and or lying about it, that's not the same as hanging cats. No, with that, all of the respect. It's a different animal uh, in it's, you know what, regardless of who would be next after Trump, and in this particular circumstance, how it plays out with Joe Biden, going to be uh, mm-hmm. sworn in January 20th, it's going to be tough uh, sledding for anyone, regardless, to try to navigate the waters of this very insanely divided nation. Uh, and and I, I really am, am concerned, and I, I hope we can get past it. Um, let me ask you this, yeah. because you had mentioned, you know, things of the past, you know, political movements of the past mm-hmm. and, and, and such and such. Even after what happened with uh, Al Gore, they still showed up at the inauguration. Correct. Even what happened with George W. Bush, right. Bill Clinton still showed up at the inauguration. Right. Barack Obama showed up at Donald Trump's inauguration after he played the birth accord against him. That's what you do, or at least what uh, has been historically the norm, which is you show up and, and you embrace the process and, and the circumstance as it is, regardless of unhappy, as unhappy as you may be or as wronged as you may have felt or as dirty as the game may have been played. And yeah, Because that is, was the norm. Because right, that's what right. we all grew up, sir. And believe me, I got all my complaints about what I think could be better about this country, but I kind of know the rules. Hmm. I kind of the same rules that I thought you and I knew, Sterling. Yeah. And, and I'll end with this because Sterling, this is the thing. They say, "Well, we need to talk to people," and I've always used the analogy, and I, and I say it with you and another friend in mind. But I really don't have much that I can say to a person that walks around talking about the Jews will not replace us with tiki torches. And I'm not a Jewish person, but I kind of think that we don't have a whole lot in common because my mother and father raised me that way. Right. I mean, I'm, I mean, really. It's, and these people are defacing churches up in in D.C. Yeah, they did that just over the weekend, correct? Right. Uh, I, mean, I I don't. I'm worried, sir. I, 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 it's again, just it's yeah. 71 million people. You know, for whatever reason, we went from 74 million two hundred twenty-three seven hundred fifty-five. We we went from a tan suit being a faux pas, a major faux pas, 
to, you know, we can grab them by the you-know-what and to be considered a locker room. And you still get, what, 83% of the evangelical vote? I don't understand it. It's, it's a, it's, and see, it's not a Democrat or Republic thing. That, 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 that Republican thing. I don't, I don't think that's what it is. It's something beyond that. And it's, well, I, I think, here's the thing. It's always been there. It's just been validated and super served or, or allowed to seem more normalized now. And right. I don't know how you right. get to the next place. I wish I did. You know, and I come from, the, you know, a very mixed background. And, and, and uh, I love everybody. We have to stay sane, Sterling. That's what it is. The, the, the good thing about it, democracy did work. And there are 81 million of us. Okay, as opposed to age seventy-four. Yeah. That's the way I see it. But you know, there are eight, there are more good people than there are bad people, and we come from. Well, but I, I but you can, here's the and I I don't want I I can't say that all seventy-four million who voted for Trump are and change people. are all bad. But here right. here's the problem. But they are willing to accept certain things that we never thought before were acceptable. In that and we regard, agree with that. I, I can take that. I can take that. And, and it's always good to talk to you, Glenn. Take care of yourself. And I appreciate the, the, the nice uh, well wishes, too, for uh, half of me and the, and the Hanukkah thing. Uh, I'll give you, a, Mike, to, to be first when we come back. We're running short on time. Of course, Dan Carroll follows with that uh, early morning outpost, late night, overnight kind of thing, coming up after midnight, and, and lots more to do. Seven four nine seven thousand eight hundred, the big one, pound 700 on AT&T. And, and I, I'm an American. See, I, I, I just want to say this real quickly, because I remember I've been inundated with all this stuff. Well, you, you've said this and that critical of the president. So something about being a Democrat. I thought you were a Republican. I don't give a damn about your label or what political affiliation you have. I, I am an American. I vote for hopefully a candidate and for a, an ideology and the idea of all of us being created equal. I'm not here for one party or another. I don't get paid by them. I don't work for them. I'm not here to get anybody's vote. I do want you to listen. I'm not going to lie to you. And I've stayed away from this type of stuff because it's, it's hard to listen to. It makes you sick to your stomach if you're like me. Because you don't either, you hear something that you go, this is outlandish, I can't believe it, you think it's factually incorrect, even though it can be factually proven in some cases to be accurate. And there is no ability now to have any real good conversation, hardly. In either side of the coin, I, this is what I get. Where you are unfair to him, you're clearly a part of the problem as a conservative or Republican or whatever you are, and they'll, oh, you're a Nazi. I go, do you, do you have any idea who I'm talking, you're talking to? And then the other side, well, you're a Democrat. Oh, you must love little children and all this other weird QAnon BS or whatever else, too. And I go, no, you clearly hear what you want to hear. So what I've done, I've completely stayed away from it because I want people to listen and not to tune out. I don't particularly like death threats. And because this is an entertainment medium more than not, at the top and bottom, we give you full-on news. And I, like, is I, and I don't want to restate this and beat it like a dead horse, but my job is when I talk about serious stuff, I'm going to be serious, and I'm going to be fair, and I'm going to be just. And I'm going to call out the, the, the crap when I see it or hear it. And occasionally, I'm full of crap, too. I'll own that as well. Sometimes it's on purpose to provoke thought, to be viscerally effective, and hopefully to get a conversation going. And that's true. That's a fact. I play devil's advocate from time to time. And that's healthy discourse and hopefully compelling content that you can listen to and go, oh, okay, good. But right now, it seems like a whole lot of people just want to hear the same thing either side and I don't want to play that game but I'm not going to be anybody different than who I am 
And I'm not here to be a commercial for any political party. And I don't care whether it's Alex who's going to produce the next show or if it's Dan Carroll or Jeff Carr or Bill Cunningham or Mike McConnell or anybody else who would be occupying the office of president regardless of their leanings politically. I'm an American and I'm a human. So I I want us all to do well. I want us to be humane to one another and to lead this planet the way we have in the past. And what I see all too much of that is horrible and disgusting and frightening is the normalizing, the accepting, denial of fact, and the somehow it's okay to have Proud Boys or Boogaloo, whatever BS crap that's going on, burning stuff in churches in the D.C. area over the weekend, or vandalizing stuff here in Cincinnati or up in Dayton or Louisville or elsewhere. And everybody's, oh, you know, that's just a marginal whatever. Well, when you don't talk about it in a negative light, you're condoning it. When you embrace that and use that as a wedge issue to separate people because you think it gets you votes or gets you money to super serve your need to get cash that you can spend any way that you want in excess of $200 million to fight an election that's been certified and nothing of value to fight in the courts or it would have gone further than where it went, which is nowhere then you're a part of the problem. And if this means that I'm unemployed and I'm looking for something else to do for a living, I'm all right with that because i got to look myself in the mirror. And the question is, can you honestly look yourself in the mirror? And you can agree to disagree with me. That's okay, and we can talk about it. It's as simple as that. That's what we do here, and we try to have a little fun from time to time. But, yeah, I'm a little hot about it. The more I think about it, 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 it's uh, saddening. And it's bothersome. And we've spent a number of years having someone on a regular basis tear down the function of government and what it's supposed to be. And when it wasn't uh, convenient or satisfying, including those people who were in positions of power in seats of judgment, that is judges, who have been of the same party, even appointed by this president. And they said, no, there's nothing there. What does that tell you? That it's an unholy cabal? That it's a plot? That it's the deep state? I need to start my own super PAC so I can get paid too. It's Sterling, 700 WLW. Grasshopper, it is time for today's teaching. All right, Willie, lay it on me. Seek not to know the answers. And apparently the best Monday night football game uh, of the season uh, just concluded. Uh, the Ravens and the Browns in, in uh, Baltimore handles their business, and, and then they'll go back to the land of duck pin bowling and soft shell crabs. Uh, and then in a week's time, uh, hopefully at this particular point, uh, we'll be talking about a Bengals win over the Steelers. No, I mean, it could, it could, I mean look, it, it's possible. I, I, the fact that it like, got really quiet all of a sudden, is, it's possible. And uh, Jeff Card is locked on uh, Reds. Uh, you had the under, but then it worked out at the end, and the weirdness that that was, you're okay now. I love it. So it's okay. Uh, we have a minute and a half, I think, or two minutes in my basic math skills. Uh, you've got Locked on Reds, you do that podcast. Uh, in uh, short order, the Reds are in need of a shortstop in the midst of hot stove league situational stuff and deal making. Uh, they've made some moves with pitching. What do you expect and what is necessary to get this Reds team in a place where they can be a contender after obviously losing some uh, some heavy duty pitching here in the offseason? 
Definitely the first step is shortstop. And actually, I saw a rumor here recently that out of the virtual winter meetings that they had, they didn't have them in person this year, obviously, but out of the virtual winter meetings came a rumor about the Reds possibly talking with Houston about their shortstop, Carlos Correa. He is in a contract year as well, just like Francisco Lindor and Trevor Story. So they would be acquiring him for one year. But the kicker is after arbitration this season for him, he's going to make just barely north of $10 million, which is essentially what they're looking at with the free agent shortstops and Didi Gregorius and Marcus Simeon. A lot more money if they trade for Trevor Story from Colorado and even more money if they trade for Francisco Lindor. So the trade market for Carlos Correa would be a little bit more tantalizing than the other two trades that they can make, but that's the first step. you got to get that shortstop and shore up the lineup because as of right now, yes, they've gotten rid of some guys but they've only gotten rid of guys in the bullpen, really. And those guys, while Rice Iglesias is a very talented dude and Archie Bradley's very talented, relief pitching is a very fickle thing. That's and true. and something good, that can be replaced. Good now and bad, then you get the yips, which is a, we, we, we've yeah. seen that lately with kickers you can, in other situations, golf, uh, my life. Uh, but, but just in general, pitching, in that mind, you've got to be able to come out of there and get it done, and you can go from middle relief, all of a sudden you may have something special, and, and now they build everything. The closure is not what a closure used to be, right? which it, is also weird. And the nice thing is they've got an amazing pitching coach that can help with all of that. Derek Johnson is a wizard. That's a good thing. I'm out of time. I'll be back again tomorrow for Gary Jeff for a good or bad. He's up for Sloney tomorrow morning and in the outpost, uh, literally just a a few minutes away after your midnight report. Thanks for being along. I appreciate you being here. Uh, Thanks to Kevin Carr, James Rapine, Mac Mariani, a boatload of other guests and some interactivity tomorrow. We'll talk on odd things people say to kids that mess with their head, which I didn't get a chance to get to. Somehow with three hours, I didn't have enough time. It's ridiculous. Uh, and then uh, a bunch of localisms, which I'll explain, too, because that got confusing with somebody I, I thought knew some things that they didn't, and they, or maybe I didn't know, which is probably more like it, even though I try to make sense of the world in which we're living. Dan Carroll, next, after the news. It's midnight, where the Reds play in the spring, and next Monday night, Steelers and Bengals getting it on. 700 WLW Cincinnati. I'm Sterling. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. A big day yesterday in the 